I, my team and I recently discovered as of a few months ago called Notion, N-O-T-I-O-N dot S-O. If you're looking for a, a, a creative, quick way to store and, and capture your processes, look into that tool. It's basically a wiki um, that unlike Dropbox or Google, yes, you can document all of these things, Devin, it, but what I find is that when you're using some of these platforms, even SharePoint or, you know, again, Google Drive, Evernote, and things, tools like that, they're great because it's stored in the cloud. Notion is also a cloud and web-based app, but it gives you the benefit of being able to see everything and, and not have information hidden in folders and you can quickly search for things. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, a serial entrepreneur that's grown several uh, startups and seven and eight figure businesses, as well as a CEO and founder of Miller IP Law, where we help startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com and I'm always happy to help. Now, today we have another great guest, and it's an expert episode, which I love because we get to talk about a whole lot of fun and exciting uh, or fun and exciting things is with Alicia Butler-Pierre, and I'm trying to make sure I'm, I'm working on not or mispronouncing people's names, so hopefully I got it right, but as a quick introduction, so a little bit about what we talk about is a bit more on the, the operation side of a business and kind of how you go about what is operations, why do you need operations, kind of what do you identify with that, Sometimes why do operations take a backseat with startups and why they shouldn't, but why it happens and what you can do to avoid it, as well as a little bit on, you know, maybe covering a little bit on processes and looking at assets on the balance sheet and uh, how to set up those operations and infrastructure and maybe even a little bit of IP law. We'll see if we get there. So a lot of fun conversations that I'm excited to have. And with that much, welcome on the podcast, Alicia. Thank you, Devin. And you pronounced my name perfectly. All right. Well, I, I, you know, that doesn't happen very often. So I'll take that as a big compliment because I'm usually like, I think it's this way. And then they always come back over here, but like, I always have to apologize. I'm like, it's really no intent to, uh, in, uh, offense intended. It's just that I, for whatever reason, I, I tend to slaughter Dave. So glad I got one right. <laughs> So with that, what before we jump into the, you know, talking a little bit of operations and whatnot, maybe give uh, the listeners kind of a bit of a, your background, one or two minutes on kind of why you're an expert in this area, what your experience is, and why they should uh, listen to what you have to say. Sure. Well, thank you for, for sharing your platform with me, first of all. Just Absolutely. to give, I guess, a really quick, uh, quick and dirty description of my background and, and why it makes me an expert. My career actually started in chemical engineering, Devin, and that's where I was first introduced to process engineering. So for those who may not realize it, many chemical engineers, when when we work in chemical plants and oil refineries, we're really called process engineers. And what that means is that in the manufacturing of a particular product, and in, in my case, my very first job was at Monsanto, so I was making Roundup. And if there was a batch of Roundup that was created and for some reason it didn't meet all of the specifications, as the process engineer, I had to figure out, well, what went wrong in the manufacturing process that caused that final product to not meet the specification? So I knew I didn't want to be in a plant for the rest of my life or an oil refinery. (laughs) Hmm. So I actually went back to business school. And and there's... 
I should also say, I quickly realized, Devin, I would say maybe several months into that very first job as an engineer, that I didn't understand the business decisions that drove our day-to-day production schedules. And we, we each, I remember each, each group, each unit within the plant was assigned its own accountant. And every month we would have meetings with that accountant. And I'm sure you can appreciate this with your, (laughs) your IP, uh, you know, your law background, it would be like you coming and speaking to me. And I'm like, what on earth is he talking about copyrights and trademarks and, and and infringement and intellectual property law? So that's what it was like listening to these accountants. I, I didn't understand the language of business and that's what accounting is. So that's what prompted me to go back to graduate school and business school at Tulane. And so I would work full time during the day, go to school at night. And by the time I graduated, Devin, you know, I... <laughs> I had this feeling I needed to get out of New Orleans. That's where I was living at the time. Mm-hmm. And I just abruptly quit my job. I had my newly minted MBA and I relocated to Atlanta, Georgia, where I knew one person. And I thought, wow, you know, Coca-Cola is headquartered here, Delta Airlines, Home Depot, all of these, all of these companies that had a, a corporate presence here. And I just knew for sure they were going to be banging down my door to hire me. And that did not happen. So, so, uh, you know, again, to kind of fast forward this story. So what I ultimately ended up doing was through a period of soul searching and self-reflection and introspection, started to really reflect on, well, what, what am I naturally really good at? And is it possible for me to build a business around that? And Devin, Even when I was flipping burgers as a teenager, no matter what job I had, even into my, you know, young adulthood, I was always good at those jobs because I was organized, not necessarily because I was the smartest person in the room, but I was very organized. So I started my company, Equilibria, 16 years ago. Oh, my gosh, that's so hard to believe. Uh, But 16 years ago, and it actually started as a professional organizing company. And what I quickly learned was that many of the people that I worked with, I would say a good 90% of them were business owners who were operating home-based businesses. And it wasn't that they were hoarders or chronically disorganized people. They just needed systems and processes. So that's where my process experience working as an engineer came into play. And eventually over the years, the language shifted from providing professional organizing services to business infrastructure services. Hmm. And so after working with hundreds of clients, speaking on many stages, having that that engineering background, that, Hmm. my friend, is what makes me an expert, I think. Awesome. Well, that was a great run through and it was uh, fun to hear a little bit of your journey of how you got here as well as is all the experience that uh, drove you to here. So now with that and with that introduction, let's dive into the, the topic at hand a bit. And the first question, especially if you're a startup or small business, is going to be a simple one. But what is operations or what is that kind of thing? What does that mean? And what should how should they interpret that as far as you know, because sometimes you'll hear COO or chief operations officer or, or some variation of that. And they say, well, that sounds good. We, we probably have that we, we do operations, we sell stuff, we make stuff. But what is when they're looking at kind of what operations is and why they need it? Kind of what does that mean? I'm really glad you you started with this question. Because 
I take for granted that many people still don't really understand what we mean when we say operations. So the most simplified definition that I can give is if we were to compare this to marketing, marketing is are the activities that relate to your company's products and services being seen and operations is refers to the activities that aren't seen but are experienced by your customers. So marketing involves obviously the sales, the branding, the the personal branding, the promotion, the publicity, the PR, the customer facing things that you do, social media, podcasting, all of those things that you do to generate awareness about who you are and what you have to offer in terms of goods and services. Operations is the stuff that goes on behind the scenes that nobody sees, your customers would never see, but they definitely will experience the impact of those operations. For example, just just to use, I guess, something that's fairly recent for us as of this recording, the blocking of the Suez Canal, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's totally operations focused. Customers just know, oh my gosh, I'm waiting on certain products to be delivered to me. What the heck is going on? What's taking so long? They Why just am know I that they two-day delivery ex- on Amazon exactly. Prime. You just know as a customer, regardless of what company you were, you know, you ordered something from, you just know that there's a delay. But you don't realize what's going on behind the scenes that's contributing to that delay. So now you have a bad experience. And, you know, that that retailer that you have purchased something from and you're waiting on delivery from, now it impacts your relationship with that retailer. So marketing is the scene, operations is the unseen. That's the simplest way I can define it. No, and I like that. I mean, and it is really kind of what happens behind the scene in the sense that you always see what happens on in the front end. You know, you see the videos, you see the marketing, you see the podcast, but even taking the podcast as an example, we have people that will go, you know, after we do the recording and we'll do do some processing, we'll add in the intro, we'll add the extra, we'll post it on different sites, we'll do the, you know, the description and all those that happen so that you can see the end product, we oftentimes don't really think about it because to your point, it's kind of like the Amazon Prime, hey, I, I I expect two days shipping. I don't know how it happens or even one day shipping sometimes now. I don't know how it happens, but it gets done and I get frustrated when it doesn't happen because I've been promised something they didn't deliver on. So I think when that with that idea, you know, operations can have a big impact because you get a lot of customers, you work a ton on the front end on marketing and sales to get them in the door. But if they don't have a good experience, if things don't happen, if they're not delivered on, it doesn't matter how good of a sales team you are. You have to have both sides of that coin. That is That is perfect. And I love the fact that you mentioned the word promise, because that's another way that I define the difference between marketing versus operations. So marketing is all about what is that promise? Your promise is to provide a podcast, for example, every week, you know, and then operations is how you actually deliver on that promise. So to your point, what are all there's so much that goes on behind the scenes and putting together a show and but people just listen they just know okay i subscribed to the inventive journey and i know when to expect a new episode but they have no idea what's going on the things that you have to do to 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 find to book guests you know collecting headshots creating custom cover artwork all of those different things that go into creating 
a great listening experience. No, I, and I definitely agree with you. And so it's interesting. So now, now shifting gears just a bit on that. So let's say, okay, so somebody's listening or they're a startup small business say, okay, you convinced me, you know, my front end is great. We do a lot of great marketing, but our back end is, is horrible or, you know, it, it could be improved or it's disorganized, which happens, you know, a lot of times, especially to start up or small business, you're oftentimes running it, you know, running as quick as you can to get the income in, to grow it. And you don't often, you kind of mix things together or you, uh, duct tape it together such that yes it gets out but there isn't a lot of operations or a lot of forethought that goes into that if that's the case you know how do you start to define or identify how to fix or make your improve your operations or what should there be those operations is it do I go hire a COO and have somebody else just offload it and take over for me is or should I be doing it myself or how do I tackle it or if I don't have the money to hire a COO or someone to manage that kind of how do you go about tackling that or figuring out how to start improving or fixing your operations? It all starts with asking a simple question. What work needs to be done? And believe it or not, Devin, from there, that's the answer to that question can literally set the foundation for creating what I call business infrastructure. When you mentioned hiring a COO, some of your listeners may not have the funding for a COO, maybe not even a fractional COO. But suffice it to say that many of us as, as the entrepreneur, we are the visionaries. We're, we're, we're thinking at that 50,000 foot level, right? And some of us don't have that ability to get into the weeds, to get onto the ground level, roll up our sleeves, make sure that everything is documented, every I is dotted and every T is crossed. If you know that that is not in your wheelhouse, definitely get with someone who is. Maybe you might have to consider bringing on a partner if you can't necessarily afford to pay, to your point, for a, someone to function as a chief operations officer. Or if you maybe you might even get an office manager, sometimes a really good executive assistant possesses those skills. The point is, Get as much information out of your head and onto quote unquote paper, because until you start to document things, you cannot have a baseline or it would be very difficult to figure out what your baseline is so that you can know what and where and how to improve. So now, and I think that's great. And I, I do think, you know, a lot of times, even just an executive, if, if to your point, you can't afford a, you know, a fractional COO or a COO, or you don't, you know, wh wherever position you're at, you're saying, you know, good executive system that even keeps you organized, keep things moving, can oftentimes help to fill that role, at least initially, as, as you grow and get bigger. So now let's say, okay, so now I got, I, I, I get my, I, you know, I, first of all, you convinced me I need to get or my operations in order. Second of all, I go and hire my administrative assistant or my fractional COO, or if we have the money, the full COO, you know, what is now the steps? Because there's a lot of things that go in, you know, take his, and I'll just take the law firm as an example, because it's an easy one I can make. There's a lot of things that go into it. It's everything from client generation, finding new clients, getting new clients, making sure that their process is good, making sure we can get, get things filed on time, making sure the quality is good, making sure that, you know, everybody's doing what they're supposed to, getting billing out, getting invoices paid, getting payroll. And I can go on and on. And that's really what I've described as almost any business. And that's a lot of the operations. And you can't necessarily tackle it all at once or you get overwhelmed in the sense if I tried to go and improve every one of those systems all on the same day, 
I would just want to stop because there's no way I could accomplish it. No matter how many, even no matter how many people I have on board, it's just not, it's not going to be possible to do good. So how do you start to identify which portions of your operations are most critical or the ones to focus on first that will have the biggest impact? Well, even I would say before we even get to the point of improving, because so many people like to just jump right into that first documented. So remember how I was, I mentioned the question, what work needs to be done? That's Mm -hmm. so critical because your answer to that identifies or helps to identify every single task or activity to perform in your company, no matter how mundane or how complex. So even if it's checking the physical mailbox and and distributing mail, something that's relatively mundane compared to something more complex is actually helping one of your clients file a patent application. But you want, the idea is you want to get, again, all of that information out of your head and and whoever else you have on your team, get the information out of each other's heads onto paper. Once you understand all of those tasks that are involved, The next step that I recommend is to group those tasks into departments. Most of us small businesses, we don't, if we ask, if we're asked the question, what does your company look like on the inside? We're unable to answer that question. So before you can even start talking about processes, what does this company look like? Does it have a legal department, accounting, marketing, IT, HR, operations? Those are some of the basic things. And then you can start to figure out, now that you know your departments, the tasks to perform in each department, who are the ideal people or resources to perform these different tasks? Not you, even though you may be doing a lot of things current day, current state, it doesn't mean that you ideally should be performing those tasks and that a year, three, five years from now, you shouldn't be performing those tasks. Then you're in a position to figure out which processes need to be documented within each department. The reason that's so powerful is because what I always recommend doing next, Devin, is creating what I call an inventory. It could just be a simple table in Microsoft Word. It could be a spreadsheet sheet that you could create. But you might have a tab, for example, for every single one of those departments that you've identified in your company with a listing of every process to document. And then you and your team get together and say, where is the lowest hanging fruit? Which processes, if you, if you could identify the top three, which top, we know that we want to improve all of them, but we can't, to your point, we can't do it all at the same time. But what are the top three? Where if we were to improve these top three processes over the next 90 days, it would significantly impact our bottom line in a very positive way. That's an approach that I would use, you know, go through the rigor of figuring out what what work needs to be performed, how to group that work into departments, and then ultimately processes, then prioritize those processes, tackle the top three first, and then from there, just kind of put the rest on a schedule. Mm. No, and I like that because that's kind of even even when I get into, you know, intellectual property, which I think there's a bit of overlap. It's kind of the same thing as you can. Oftentimes, you know, you have patents and trademarks and copyrights and business formations, a lot of things to tackle. 
And as much as you want to get it all done, you know, at once or all at the same time, because, they, you know, especially if you're type A personality or a bit anal retentive, you're a startup or an entrepreneur, you know, type oriented, you wanted to get it all done and you want to get it all done now. And yet you're going to burn yourself out. You're not going to, and even if you try to get it all done now, you're probably going to end up cutting corners and not getting it done as well as you should because you're trying to tackle it. So I like the kind of let's do it. Figure out, first of all, what are the departments? What are the areas? Break it up, get it on paper, and then choose those kind of those top areas that are going to be most impactful to the business. And the other thing that I think that people oftentimes overlook is a lot of times where you could do it is what's going to drive the biggest ROI or return on investment, meaning, uh, you know, let's see, okay, we have 20 different tasks and they're all going to be important, but some of them are going to improve the co- our customer experience. Some of them are going to make it so we're on time better. So we ship more quickly. So we get better quality and whatever the areas you're lacking, let's do that because it will have the biggest impact on your business. And then those other ones that you still want to really get to, but aren't as impactful, then let's move those down on the list until you have the ability to get to them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, if, if it's okay, I, you know, I, if I could just share really quickly in my book. So that's what I just described as part of a framework that I've created. Speaking of the inventive journey, that's a, that's a framework that I invented back in 2008. And it's, it works every single time, Devin, regardless of industry, regardless of, well, I, I will say this, it tends to work better for established companies. Because when you're a startup, you're still trying to figure things out. You don't know what you don't know. But once you've been in business for at least two to three years, you've kind of started to work out a routine for yourself, even though you still may be figuring a lot of things out. Um, I think you're just in a better position to be able to identify processes that, that need to be documented. But the name of my book is called Behind the Facade, how to structure company operations for sustainable success. And so it, it literally tells you step-by-step step how to do some of the things that you and I have been talking about so far. Awesome. No, I, and I definitely, I'd encourage people to check the book out to get in for more information because we're starting to wrap towards the end of the podcast. And there's always so many more things I want to talk about <laughs> than we ever have time. But that does give us a good transition to, we'll, we'll jump to the last question and then we'll chat a little bit about that. Um, as we start to wrap things up, which is a question I always ask at the end of each expert episode is if you were talking to someone that's, you know, in just getting, whether it's bootstrapping, just getting in a startup, just getting going. And, you know, there's a whole bunch of things that we covered, a lot of things we talked about, a lot of things in your book. They can only choose one thing. If you say, hey, if you, if nothing else, walk away, do this one thing to get your operations in better order and better place, what would be that one takeaway or one thing they should get started on? I... So I, I would say buy my book, <laughs> but, but if I could recommend a, a technology, if, if that's okay. So there's a tool that I, my team and I recently discovered as of a few months ago called Notion, N-O-T-I-O-N dot S-O. If you're looking for a, a, a creative, quick way to store and, and capture your processes, look into that tool. It's basically a wiki. Um, that unlike Dropbox or Google, yes, you can document all of these things, Devin, it, but what I find is that when you're using some of these platforms, even SharePoint or, you know, again, Google Drive, Evernote, and things, tools like that, they're great because it's stored in the cloud. Notion is also a cloud and web-based app, 
but it gives you the benefit of being able to see everything and, and not have information hidden in folders and you can quickly search for things. So I definitely encourage your listeners, go and check out that, that website, sign up for a free trial, play around with it, see if you like it, because it, it could really revolutionize the way that you capture and store and share your information. Awesome. Well, I definitely encourage people to check that out. I always like uh, tools that we can use because uh, if you can find the right tools, it can make life a lot easier. So you already hit on a bit with the, the book, but if people are wanting to reach out to, they want to be a new client, a new customer, they want to be an employee of your team, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you or find out more? I welcome all of the above. Uh, the best way, honestly, is to connect with me through my personal website, and that is AliciaButlerPierre.com. So that's A-L-I-C-I-A-B-U-T-L-E-R-P-I-E-R-R-E.com. And when you're there, it's like a hub for everything that I have going on. So if you want to find out more information about the book, you can do that. You can find out about my podcast, the Business Infrastructure Podcast, as well as my consulting firm, Equilibria. And there's links to all of my social media profiles there as well. Awesome. Well, I definitely encourage people to check out uh, check out the website, check out everything Alicia has going on. Plenty of uh, good information, a lot of things to connect up on. So well, as we wrap up, thank you again for coming on the podcast. Now, for all of you that are listeners, if you have your own expertise to share or your own journey to share, feel free to go to inventiveguest.com and apply to be on the podcast. Two more things as listeners. One, uh, make sure to click subscribe in your podcast player so you know when all of our awesome episodes come out. And two, leave us a review so new people can find out about us. Last but not least, if you ever need help with uh, patents, trademarks, or anything else with your business, reach out to us at Miller IP Law. Just go to strategymeeting.com. Thank you again, Alicia. It's been fun. It's been a pleasure. Appreciate you coming on and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Oh, thank you so much, Devin. I really appreciate it.